0: Well, welcome back to another edition of the Boulders Extra Podcast. This is the post-game edition following uh, Purdue's uh, loss to Texas Christian, or TCU. 34-13 to 13 was the final, and that was probably indicative of the score. The game was uh, basically a lopsided affair, even though the first half uh, w- was close, but you never got the feeling it was g- really going to be a game. Anyway, Sam King... Uh, my partner at the at the Journal and Courier uh, is joining us uh, on this post game edition from a 24 hour establishment here in Lafayette. I guess it'll be revealed once we make our order for the food that we're getting. Uh, but anyway, uh, to start first with you, Sam, and just kind of what 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 are your quick thoughts on what happened uh, tonight at Rossade Stadium? Well, obviously, uh, once it
1: got to 20 to six. I I think I said two touchdowns is going to be too much for this team to overcome because the offense was so in up tonight and you know Jack Plummer gets his first start and Made a lot of mistakes, but I don't think it's it's really his fault. I think if Elijah Sindelar was back there, he would have been under the same pressures. And and they can't run the ball, and that's concerning, because um, you know they've counted on Rondale Moore to do so much. Well, tonight you run into a team that takes him away. Nobody else stepped up and, and made plays. So uh, they really showed that uh, they got to have some other playmakers out there, and they got to be able to move the ball on the ground.
0: Yeah, and and, and not that TCU TCU exposed a lot of, they did expose a lot of produced problems, but they probably magnified what produced problems are. I mean, we, we've known from game one, and we've known since spring ball, that the offensive line was going to be an issue. Now, maybe Nevada didn't expose it as much, maybe Vanderbilt didn't expose it as much, but TCU exposed it to the hundredth degree just how far behind the Purdue offensive line is right now now the the thing to remember is will they face uh, a TCU type defensive line uh, as you get into the Big Ten season you're going to face Big Ten quality defensive lines but are you going to face what you face tonight and I you know I, I have no idea if this is going to be one of TCU's better groups when it's all said and done or this is just going to be another group but the bottom line tonight is Purdue could not from an offensive line standpoint, could not block them. And uh, Jack Plummer was under duress for from the opening snap. And it just, it continued and it, it, it continued. Uh, and it, it led to them not being able to run the ball. But, you know, the, that, that's kind of my uh, quick reaction to what happened tonight. I thought the defense held up for as long as it could. You know, they were playing without Marcus Bailey for the first time, uh, but they kept giving the ball back to the offense. In relatively good field position or at least holding TCU to field goals when they could have scored touchdowns because it's 10 to 6 and then it's 13 to 6 and as long as Purdue kept it within that one score they were going you're one Rondo more play away from 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 tying the game but what happened was as you mentioned when it got to 20 to 6 that was ba- it was basically over because Purdue just uh, showed all night it could not move the ball. And, um, you, know, you, know, and you know, that's something that, that they'll have to work out. And uh, and you mentioned if, if Sindelar's a quarterback, I'm not sure the uh, the results are any different. But, you know, let's kind of back up first. Sindelar gets concussed, concussed last week, doesn't play in this game. Jack Plummer gets the first start. Just kind of what were your uh, kind of your thoughts of how, how 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 plumber played tonight given the circumstance given who he was facing and given that you know he didn't have a jared sparks and he didn't have a matt mccann on the offensive line to 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 give him everything that he probably needed
1: yeah uh, i mean it, it's a tough go Does, that's your first your first start and uh i mean he was running for his life quite a bit they tried some things um, you know he threw the ball into double coverage and got picked off on a ball that could have gone 50 50 Rondale got it kind of ripped out of his hands and the defender came up with it but the flea flicker which is a kind of becoming a staple of Jeff Broms offense uh, he just kind of made a bad throw and, and got picked off on that one um, you know it, it's hard when you don't have time to, to pick out your receivers and, and very early on I think the second drive, right after George Karloftis got an interception, uh, he hits more right over the middle, which is going to be a first down inside the 10, maybe a touchdown because Rondell's capable of, of making a guy miss and he drops the ball. And instead, you're kicking a field goal and you lead three to nothing instead of seven to nothing. And you probably feel a whole lot better if he throws a touchdown there, gets a little confidence, and just and kind of says, okay, I can do this. It's just football like I, I did in high school. Um, you know, it's really hard to get a gauge on how well he played because of how much pressure he was under and just given that you know guys had drops and that they couldn't run the ball. So uh, he was trying to maybe force things at times or he was just kind of throwing on the run and trying to not get killed back there a couple times.
0: Yeah, we don't know how the game changes or if it changes at all if, if Purdue scores a touchdown on that opening drive. You get seven instead of three. TCU then, you know, maybe he's under the gun a little bit. Maybe they try to do some different things out of their comfort zone because you don't like falling behind on the road like that. But, you know, he dropped it. And and I think that magnifies where this offense is at right now. It can't afford a drop from Rondell Moore. It can't afford, you know, Rondell Moore losing – An interception because he got the ball wrestled away from him. I mean, we 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 hold Rondell Moore to an extremely high standard now because of what he did last year and what he's capable of, and and he probably holds himself to a higher standard than what maybe fans do or the media the media does. So it's you know as as I know he he probably feels bad about all that and he'll work hard to get back in that situation, but you just don't know if if you get up seven to nothing. How that changes things, it, as the game played out, probably not. DCU's probably still going to rush for 300 yards and, and, and get that. But, it, it, again, it ma- I think it magnifies that uh, they have to coach better. They have to play better. They have to execute better. And their window on offense right now seems to be pretty pretty tight. Like you can't afford a mistake, a penalty that puts you in bad situations. And, uh that's kind of where they're at. Now I want to get your thoughts on this because it was it was kind of asked in the post game, but um, not not directly. But you know, how much did Jeffrom try to push the ball down field? If he had Cindelar, you're probably pushing the ball down the field a lot. But with Plummer, he didn't seem to do that. And you know, we don't know the play calls. We don't know what it was called, so maybe there were plays designed to go downfield that couldn't do it because the offensive line didn't hold up and some other factors. But did you feel like Brom was as, as aggressive as he says that he he needs to be with this offense? No, I think that uh, he did not have as much
1: free reign as Sindelar does to let the ball air out. And you know, I think last week several times they were hitting plays 20, 30, even 60 yards. Downfield and it seemed like very early on it was turn around and hand the ball off to, to Horvath or hand it off to King Doru, and, uh, you know, that's not their offense. Uh, and I don't think for this season it's going to be. Uh, the, just three games in, they haven't been able to establish a run game. I think that's who they are. They're going to have to pass the ball and, and hope that that opens up some runs. But, yeah, I think if Sindelar's in there, they allow him to maybe do some different things. Um Plummer making his first start, they probably tried to get him comfortable by handing the ball off, get him in the flow of the game, and it just so happened that they got behind there and uh, you know kind of changed maybe what they were planning to go into the game with.
0: To me, the most disturbing thing from an offensive standpoint about this about this game was their inability to convert. I think at least three third and ones, and, and then a fourth and one late later in the game. But the fact that you early on you couldn't move the chains enough. To give your defense a little bit of a rest, keep your offense on the field a little bit longer. I mean, they didn't get a first down until the second quarter, and they sat three points. Uh, that, to me, that was the most disturbing thing. That you can't, you can't get a third and one, and that that that's a problem, and that's a problem for this offense right now, because we're three games into the season, and these situations are going to continue to come up. This is not a one-time situation. They've come up before. They just haven't been magnified like they were they were tonight. And I know I you are who you are on the offensive line. It's not going to change. But uh, they got to figure out a way to get. They, they got to be really good in short yardage situations from here on out. Yeah, and you've got to be able to
1: even if you can't run the ball, you've got to be able to move the chains when you have third and one. Um, I think they, their fourth first down came in the fourth quarter on a pass to Rondell Moore. And the three before that were all passes to Bryson Hopkins. So it was the tight end, and he he caught a short pass and made a guy miss and turned it into a 38-yard gain for their first first down. Made a spectacular catch down the field uh, for, I think, their second or third first down. Um, And it just was like, you know, those were plays where it was like third and five. But in those short yardage situations, more than half the time you feel like, okay, we're going to pick this up and keep the chains moving. And when you don't, you never get in the flow offensively. And I think that's really what kind of happened tonight.
0: To me, it was even hard to tell, okay, as you look long term, you know, is Jack Plummer a Big Ten quarterback? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to take one game against an opponent like TCU and say yes or no. I mean, I, we obviously need to see more, and I think he'll be better the next time out, but when you start looking long-term for this program, or, you know, something happens to Sindelar this year, is, is this a guy that can that can get you enough offense and get the ball downfield enough to, to put you in a position to win games? And you know, for me, I, I don't know. If it's, that would be very, very difficult to answer right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I said, I was talking to, um... Come here, John. <laughs> right, thanks for
0: waiting so patiently, guys. Are you ready to work? Yeah, we, we are, we are.
1: Right. We're right. going to... Yeah, go ahead and order, Sam. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have the French toast slam uh, with scrambled eggs. And would you like... Oh, what comes with bacon and sausage? Um, oh, okay. I'll take both. <laughs> good. Uh all right, is that it
0: for you? Yes. <laughs> All right. John's our server tonight. We're recording a podcast, by the That's way. <laughs> All right, you ever been on a podcast? No, sir. Do you know what a podcast is? Okay. All right. I want the Grand Slam Witch. All right. How you like that? good.
1: Would you like, is hash browns okay with that? Yeah, hash
0: browns is great. All right. All right. That sounds good. Is that it for you guys? Yeah. All right. Thanks, John. Thank you guys. I'll All get
1: right. that put in for you All right. Right. as quick as we can. Can I take All this right. menu, or do you
0: like to keep it? Nope, I don't need to look at All it right. anymore. Thank you.
1: Okay. So you had, what were asked, you, you had asked about Jack Plummer <laughs> as a, a big Ten quarterback, and before the game I was having a, a fajita bar uh, <laughs> up in the, the press box with Jim Vrujink, and, and I said, you know, if he plays well, then he might have a, a quarterback controversy here. And after all these years where we've had, is it Blau or Sindelar? I was thinking, like, here we go again. Maybe, maybe we're going to have a quarterback controversy. I think after this game that's not the case, and if Sindelar's healthy, he's surely playing against Minnesota. Um but I, I do think Plummer is probably better than he showed. That was a hard game to come into with, you know, their line, which wasn't that good to begin with, is already as beat up. So it's even, you know, those are the backups now in some of those uh, positions playing. Uh, just, you know, we, we didn't get to see enough. I don't think tonight to determine is he capable of, of being a team uh, quarterback that can lead a team in the Big Ten.
0: I, I just saw it was an extremely unfair situation to put him in exactly. with that defense and with. You know, you're already missing one receiver in Jared Sparks. Uh, you're missing your most experienced offensive lineman in Matt McCann. I mean, there's nothing anybody can do about it. It's just the, it's just injuries. But you're already putting him in a in a difficult situation with the injuries that are around him uh, to go out and, and try to win a game. And you could tell in the, the post game press conference, Jeff Barham really doesn't care about any of that. Uh, he doesn't care who was missing he doesn't care uh, you know it's his it's his job to get somebody else ready to play and you know he's right in that regard but this is this is Purdue's program they, when they lose starters of uh, significant talent level there's just no one there. To, to replace them at that level, you have bodies, but you don't have the same talent level, and that's that, that's going to go along with Marcus Bailey too. They just they don't have anybody of Marcus Bailey's talent experience to step in there. Cornell Jones might be able to beat Marcus Bailey in a 40 yard dash, but that he doesn't have the kind of instincts and experience that a Marcus Bailey has right now.
1: Yeah, if if this happens at Ohio State or Georgia or Clemson. They have dudes. They, they have three or four guys that are capable of stepping in and filling that spot. Purdue doesn't have depth and, in, in, you know, maybe at receiver a little bit, at tight end, but on the offensive line, no, you know, the Linebacker, it's tough, uh, especially at a place like Purdue. To uh, a lot of those guys, you mold for a couple of years, and then they're ready to play at that level. And uh, you know, just, uh, I talked to a couple of guys on the in the linebacking core after the game, and they both talked about Marcus Bailey and how he, when he spoke, everybody listened. And now they don't have that guy out there that you know you tell them what to do, and they trust. Hey, this guy knows what he's doing. He's putting me in the right position. And now cornell jones is trying to kind of learn on the fly a little bit and uh, you know fortunately he's good friends with marcus bailey and i think he'll get better as the season goes on but he didn't know until tuesday that he was probably going to be starting today so um, he's probably picked up everything he can in the last three days and tried to implement that he said you know i played last year that helped a little bit and i got more mature and you know he made a lot of dumb penalties last year and he talked about that but uh, he wasn't in this kind of a position last year. Now he's in a position where, hey, you've got to be a guy that can lead because uh, tonight they started, I think, two seniors, three juniors, three sophomores, three freshmen on defense. Uh, that's a young defense and it's an inexperienced defense. And when you take out uh, Marcus Bailey, you can kind of make all that work as the quarterback of that unit. Uh, it really shows um, the inexperience out there.
0: We'll get to the defense in a second, but one other note about the offense is that David Bell left the game in the third quarter, he had uh, his arm in a sling, uh, ice on his left shoulder. Uh, he came off the field and immediately, went in the medical tent. It, it doesn't look good uh, to, to walk off the field like that. Uh, I guess the only hope is that it's not a long-term thing, that maybe nothing is broken or fractured or cracked, and that you can get David Bell back at some point. This year, I'm not sure the open week is going to help him, but they had extremely high hopes for David Bell this year. And I, I thought, based on what he had done the first two games, especially the game against Vanderbilt, that he was kind of on the verge of having having a game, having having a Rondell Moore type of game at least, or at least stretching the field. So if Purdue loses David Bell for any extended period of time, uh, that's going to probably hurt what this offense can do
1: yeah and you talk about the
0: the depth of this team
1: and two weeks ago you're thinking Jared Sparks Rondell Moore Jackson Anthrop uh, David Bell, Milton Wright, Mott Anderson, Anderson. Yeah. just loaded with receivers. And you know, even if you can't walk, you can get several short passes or something, or just throw the ball downfield as far as you can. And those guys will run and go get it. And now, you know, with, with Sparks out today and Bell was starting in his place, those two guys out. That's you know detrimental to this offense that uh, already is is kind of weak because of all the injuries it's had.
0: Yeah. And one other note about the offense. I, I really, you know, I, I think we need to see Tario Fuller in this offense to see if he can give him a, um, some sort of uh, uh, option from a playmaking standpoint. You know, I think Horvath has done as well as he can. You know, you're you're only as good as your offensive line, but Purdue's not getting any, any playmaking ability from the running back position. And the freshmen are freshmen, and they're just, they're doing the best they can. They even, uh, I think, lined up Jackson Anthrop back there a couple times. He had, I think, at least one. He had a carry for two yards. Uh, And, you know, Purdue overall, 25 uh, rushes for 23 yards. And it's unacceptable for a Big Ten team, to be honest. Uh, There are some circumstances involved, but you know, it, it would behoove them, I think, you know, if they can get fuller back for the Minnesota game, at least to add uh, a dynamic dimension to the to the running game.
1: Yeah, and, and I talked to Coach Brom, uh, I guess last week, about King Daru, because he was a guy that, when he committed, people were excited. And they're like, hey, this guy's going to come in here and be an instant star, and uh he just talked about he just he wasn't ready for the speed of college football quite yet and it takes him adapting to you know there's some guys like a, a George Karloftis who are ready for that other guys it's it's a different world and it's probably a lot different when you're a running back versus a d-end or something like that so uh, he started to, he got a lot of the the bulk of the carries in the second half and I think that they strayed away a little bit from Horvath there in the, in the uh, second half so maybe that was just a situation where they said we've got a freshman that's got to get carries and at some point he's got to learn and the best way to learn is to get in there and and do it in the game but it didn't matter because tonight they weren't going to move the ball on the ground
0: whatsoever yeah you know when we talk about the rushing yardage it's all the sacks are involved in that so it's just the way college football works in the nfl the sacks go on the quarterbacks passing yards where in college football goes on the the team rushing so you know uh, king Derue had 11 carries for 27 yards still a 2.5 average which is good enough and then uh, Horvath was four for ten yards. But the but the other disturbing thing there is the longest run was eight yards. And that you you, you need some more explosive plays, and maybe Fuller can uh, provide that. But you know we've talked a little bit about the defense and kind of you know you know what kind of your opinion. And you you got you have a story up on JC Online right now. But just how do you think? How different will this defense be without Marcus Bailey, and what needs to happen for them to 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 play at to play and perform at a higher level? I think the best thing for this team right now is that
1: they don't play next week. <laughs> they got two weeks to prepare for Minnesota, and this group has now played a game together. And uh, you know there was a lot of guys did did good things, but. Uh, ben Holt kind of talked about it after the game. Is, you know, we did a lot of things that weren't good too. And I think 300 plus rushing yards will attest to that. Um, you know, George Karloff just, and, and people love George, and he's he's a wild maniac out there. But uh, there are a couple times where he just went and, and kind of chased the guy down instinctively, and the running back ran right past him. Or, uh, you know, um, just things that, you know at the high school level you can get away with because you're good enough to and at this level everybody's uh that talented especially when you play a tcu uh ben holt had 17 tackles which is great but at the same time you don't you don't want a guy to make 17 tackles because you don't want the linebacker to have to make the tackle six or seven yards downfield every time um I thought Cornell Jones, you know, he, he played pretty well given the circumstances and um, probably much better than he had played when he was given chances last year. Um, they made some sacks. They made some tackles for loss. I thought the um, secondary did pretty well. Simeon Smiley kind of impressed me by uh, breaking up a pass that George picked off early, and uh, he had a sack where he just came
0: up the middle and, and nailed uh, the quarterback and knocked him back. Yeah, it took him out of, I mean, didn't take him uh, out of field goal range, but probably prevented them from possibly going for it on fourth down
1: yeah um so they did some good things uh i I think that you know what ben holt said is is uh you know sometimes in football you you get your butt kicked and that's what happened tonight now how do we learn from this going forward and i think that's going to be the focus is like okay guys this this is our defense moving forward we got to learn from this and get better or we're going to be getting beat 34 to 13 every week here on out
0: I mean, I thought TCU's offensive line was really good tonight. I think they opened some of those holes. But as, as, I, as I go back and replay some of the game in my mind, you see instances that you brought up, like George Kaloptis maybe didn't take the right angle or didn't stay in his gap, similar to what happened, I think, at Nevada with some of, some of the defensive line, which opened up uh, avenues for the, the quarterback to run and make some plays. You know, and tonight maybe some of that happened, but I also think that TCU's, uh, oh my God, uh, d- uh, defensive offensive line was was extremely. I mean, they were big, they were physical, they pushed Purdue off the ball, um, and you know they they clearly won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball tonight. But Purdue's defense has to get better. I mean, this this is a group that was experienced coming into the year. Had experience. Now you re- you've, you've removed Marcus Bailey from the equation. I get that, but there's still enough experience there, and they talked up their depth on the defensive line that you know they probably shouldn't be getting blown off the ball as much as they were tonight. Now uh, the whole tale in this is going to be where does TCU end up in the Big 12? Where do they end up at the end of the year to say, okay, yeah, that that was a really good team. That, that came into, our, came into Purdue's Ross Aide Stadium and just manhandled Purdue. Or is this going to be a team? You know, when you uh, you know you saw what happened in Nevada the next week after they played Purdue, they lost to Oregon, 77 to six. So you know, it's really it's curious to watch what opponents do afterwards to see what you know how, how you how you look at the game that was played. You know, if TCU goes on and wins the Big 12 or just has a good year then you're okay but if they if they if they start to falter then you have to you have to wonder what you what you saw there uh tonight yeah and uh again this you know
1: first game without Marcus Bailey I don't think we can state that enough and and he kind of really made that whole defense work and um you know in that Nevada game maybe he wasn't as active I know he had a lot of tackles and things like that but I, I watched the game on TV and I'm he never really uh, stood out to me. Last week he did much more, and the defense was was much better. Um, this week without him, they're kind of uh, and they were they were against the wall because that that read option was just tearing them apart. Even when it was 13 to 6 at the half, you felt like TCU was dominating this game. Um, you know, as dominant as you can be, and only leading by seven points um, in a low scoring game. Uh, but. I think that, you know, a, a guy that probably has to step up, and Cornell Jones took some responsibility because he's the guy in Marcus Billy's spot. But I think Ben Holt, because before he got to Purdue, he's played so much football at the college level that a lot of these guys haven't yet. He's probably got to step up and be a voice for, for this defense and uh, get them going. Uh, one of the things that was kind of, um, you know, just, you know, Purdue's been aggressive and, you um, a lot of defensive penalties, I think, in the last couple years since Coach Brown has got here. But uh, one of the things that was like... I think you stopped them, and uh, was it uh, Lawrence Johnson who just came in and blasted the quarterback and knocked him to right. the ground? yeah,
0: he had a, had, a, had, a,
1: had a late hit on the quarterback. Yeah, that's, that's things you can't do. I mean, you finally get a, a stop there, and you do something like that, and it's 15 yards and a first down. Purdue's got to completely eliminate that. You can't have stupid defensive penalties. You know, you can live with a pass interference every now and then because those things happen, but you can't just go in and, and blindside a quarterback that's already thrown the ball and, and things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, if you didn't learn that lesson last year, <laughs> you know, you don't need to start repeating it. But, I mean, the other thing, too, now that you don't have Bailey, it, it would, they, they need Lorenzo Neal back as quickly as possible, because right now you're playing without two guys that are probably going to get drafted, or we're on pace to get drafted next spring. And, you know, Ohio State can absorb that, Purdue can't. So if they can get Lorenzo Neal back, they won't make up for the loss of Bailey, but it would help it would help that defensive line. It would help, you know, just settle things down up there and give him a playmaker up front. But even if he comes back for the Minnesota game, how sharp is it gonna be? How much how many snaps can he play? And it's gonna be a you know, he's gonna have to get eased into it and you know, Purdue's now getting to a point in the season where he can't really ease into anything. They're one and two. They should be two and one. Uh, I didn't think they'd win the TCU game at the start of the year, but I didn't think they'd lose the Nevada game at the beginning of the year. So somewhere along the line, they're going to have to make that up. Uh, before we get into big picture stuff, uh, you know, special teams tonight. Uh, you know, you got to give some credit to J.D. Dellinger. Hit a couple field goals, including the 53-yarder, uh, which has been seems like forever since a uh, Purdue kicker hit a 50-yarder. Uh, And I think it's the third longest uh, in in program history uh, tonight. So, you know, know, I was surprised, really, that maybe Brom threw him out there because I don't think Jeff has a lot of confidence right now in kicking the ball beyond 40 yards just because the results haven't been there. But, uh, you know, J.D. has probably – had a pretty good year up to this point. I know he missed a 42-yarder against Vanderbilt, but he's got numerous touchbacks. Got to remember, 2016 he only had seven touchbacks. I think coming into tonight, coming into tonight, 11. So he has he has 14, and then he hits the the 53-yarder tonight. So he was kind of a bright spot on special teams. The punting was. Uh, was okay. I saw they used uh, Zach Collins tonight uh, for some some of the punting. I don't know if they were trying to work in a trick play, but they never got the right look. Uh, and let's look on uh, the freshman Brooks.
1: He was pretty good. At the yeah, he yard
0: averaged yard uh, the yeah yeah he averaged 46 yards, 63 yarder help. And then Zach Collins was the uh, I, I don't know if he was the pooch punter tonight or they were just look trying to. Trying to figure out if they could get a uh, maybe a trick play off that, because they they did they they obviously need a spark. You know Rondell um, had one decent return on a kickoff. Yeah, two very bad returns as well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then I think the last one he just I think he was under orders to fair catch, and there was just no need to try try to make a play at that point and maybe get him get him hurt or get him knocked. Knocked down for that would maybe limit him in a couple weeks yeah uh
1: the the one that he, he took out of the end zone and got to the eight yard line you would thinking what in the world uh i don't fault him for the one at the end of the first half uh, i think that it was out of bounds kicked out of bounds and they would have had it at the 35 with a minute and 19 seconds to go or something and they asked him to re-kick because you think Rondell Moore, with that extra yardage, uh, he's he's got a chance to bust one and, and get you a, a tie game going into the half. If that didn't happen, he, he returned at 13 yards, and of course you don't know that that's going to happen. But uh, I think that was probably the right call there with the guy that they had back there. It was just that Rondell did not uh, he did not make a, a play there, and you uh, can't you know we again we count on him to do so much because we see him every week and he continues to impress the media, the fans the coaching staff himself uh, you kind of think that this guy's superman and can do it all but you know guys just have bad games and, and he had a bad game tonight
0: well he's wired to make plays so he's always going to try to make plays and you've got to put him in a position to make plays but it also I think they, they they spend a lot of time on uh, kick, kick return and punt return uh, in the spring and then in the summer trying to come up with ways to free Rondell up to get better blocking, you know, I think tonight you saw where Purdue is still woefully behind uh, from a blocking standpoint on special teams. Not only do they need some quickness there, but they need some bigger guys. They need more linebackers to help on special teams, and that's a recruiting issue that you know I think they're trying to take care of. But you got to be able to do it. So uh, let's talk big picture. What does Purdue's one and two? Uh, they get they get a they get an off week coming up. Uh, then they get in, they jump into Big Ten play with Minnesota, a team that uh, beat them pretty handily last year up in the cold in, in Minneapolis. So, kind of, how do you how do you see where things stand right now with with this team? Not only going into the Big Ten season, but you know, can it still make a run for a postseason even with? some of the injuries that, it, that it's had.
1: That's the tough thing, because I felt, I did feel like you had to be 2-1 going into the Big Ten's portion of your schedule, and, you know, in terms of a Big Ten title and things like that, nothing's lost. This game didn't mean anything, but I don't think that Purdue realistically is in that that hunt, so uh, you take this game and, you know, probably chalk it up as a loss that, uh, the one that kind of stands out is not that they lost in Nevada, it's the way they lost, because that was for... For 59 minutes, you felt like, hey, Purdue's still going to win this game. And, you know, that thing all just kind of turned there in the last five or six minutes of that game. And uh, it was a devastating loss because the realistic expectation probably now is to get to six wins um, any way you can. And they've managed to, in the Jeff Braum era, manage to kind of do it this way. fall behind and then have to make it up later and, and beat a team that they're not expected to, whether it was Iowa a couple of years ago, whether it was Ohio State last year, um, or maybe even Boston College, uh, maybe it was a game that people didn't expect them to win last year. Um, you know, they fall in these holes, I, I think they were 0-3 last year, and and somehow manage to get to six wins and get to a bowl game. So um, that's going to be what this season is about. Is you know who can we beat on the schedule that we're maybe not expected to? And you know maybe this Minnesota game is, is the first one you look at and say, hey, that's a, a must-win. And I think if you're going to make a bowl game, it certainly is.
0: Yeah. Somehow they have to win five of their next nine games. They have to be five and four, at least five and four. To get to a bowl game, uh, you know, you want to obviously, you know, obviously they want to contend for the West title. Uh, and I agree with you, and I've said that all year. I don't think they're ready to uh, contend for that yet, just because the offensive line still has a lot of work to do. Uh, you didn't know about the running game, now you know more about the running game. And, and if you've lost David Bell for an extended period of time, uh, you know, the first thing in my mind, in the big picture, you got to get, got to get your guys healthy that you can get back. You got to get Sindelar back. Um, and again, if he, if he was a quarterback tonight, I'm not sure the outcome is that much different. You might, you might see Purdue taking a few more shots downfield. Uh, with oh, our food is here, and that looks scrumptious. And then Sam's getting his uh, plate of business. He's got a variety of things. Thank he won't he won't have to eat for a week after this.
1: You guys need anything else right now? We are good. I'll good. be
0: back to check on you. All right. Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> I'm distracted by the food. they uh, were not going to compete for the Big Ten. Well, I didn't I didn't see them as a big a, a, a legitimate Big Ten West contender, but nobody saw Northwestern being that last year either. But you know i think purdue's got a lot of issues i think my i was making the point is i think Purdue needs to get the guys back and can get healthy back and that's elijah cindelar and not that that would have changed tonight's outcome i'm, I'm not sure it would have because if he's if he's handing off on third and one and they still don't get it doesn't matter who the quarterback is uh, you know you got to get matt mccann back uh on that offensive line to, to help uh with the experience factor um you're not going to get Marcus Bailey back. We know that. And if there's any guys that got, uh, you know, David Bell is kind of the question mark right now from the offensive standpoint, whether, you know, how, how long-term his injury is. So Purdue needs to get healthy. They, they got a lot of work a lot of work to do. Uh, I think they need to play to their strengths and that's throwing the ball down the field uh, and passing the ball but you do have to run it at some point. You do have to be able you have to be able to get some yards <laughs> rushing at some point yeah. and right now they haven't proven that they can do that. And
1: maybe the run game is going to be something where you get creative and you're doing you're using the short passing game as your running game or something and Jeff Brum said that in the post game press conferences we have to maybe be more creative in, in finding ways to run the ball. Um, you know they try to run uh, an end-around with Rondell tonight, and it just didn't work. He got, I think he didn't gain anything. Um, like you said, they put Jackson Anthrop in the backfield, and He gained two yards on one carry, um, but I I think they're going to have to do something. I I think there was even a third and one where they brought in a fullback and still couldn't get the one yard, Um, so I think they're trying things. It's just nothing's worked yet. Now, he he got two weeks here, um, so you hope to to heal up some of those guys that are nicked up or dinged up or whatever uh, they happen to be this week um, and, and try to just come up with something creative and, and you know coach brahm is going to come up with some sort of funky formation that we've never seen before and you know maybe you see that and it springs a big play um i'm sure that they've got something drawn up that they think can work against minnesota already and uh they'll have they'll have something ready for them i think that um find some way to move the ball on the ground or through a, a short passing game that basically is an extension of the run game you
0: know. all righty well that's going to do it for this edition of the bowlers extra podcast thanks for listening uh We'll be back at some point. We have the uh, the off week coming up uh, uh, this week. Don't know how much. Uh, I don't have a uh, I don't have an opposing writer to talk to for the off week. I don't know who I would contact for that. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess I could find another reporter out there on a on an off week, and uh, we we could talk about what we're doing on the off week. Uh, but I'll probably shift a little focus to basketball because I got to get involved in that because they're going to start practice here shortly. Anyway, thanks for joining us today. Once again, Purdue loses thirty-four thirteen, and uh, join us next time on the uh, the Borders Extra podcast.